Hey, it works even if it's not Easter. That's good. I'm going to ask you if you would to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. We have finished with our study in the Gospel of Mark. And as we now look on at what the Lord would lead us to know and to, to believe, the Gospel of Mark begins with Jesus coming onto the scene and proclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom. There's good news. The word gospel means good news. And so we're going to look for a few weeks here through the summer at what the gospel actually is. And we're going to go through the, through the letter of Paul to the Roman Christians. And we're going to see what the gospel actually is. Now, I tell you guys all the time from up here, we should be proclaiming the gospel. We should be telling people the gospel. And when I ask people and when we hear, hey, what's the deal? Like when I ask people, like, how come you don't share the gospel? The main reason people give back is fear, okay? That they're scared of something. And typically, it's not scared of what other people are going to think, but typically it's, I'm afraid that I'm not going to know what to say. Like somebody's going to ask me a question I'm not going to have an answer for, or I'm going to say something that's wrong and I'm going to lead somebody down the wrong path and they're going to be following the wrong Jesus and I, I don't want to be guilty of that. So fear sometimes leads us to not speak. The cure to that fear, then, is knowledge of the power of God and trusting him. So knowledge and faith. We want to make sure through this study that you have knowledge and faith. Now, you'll notice in the pew back in front of you that there are little sheets of paper there that you get to take notes. And if you're really cool or a teacher, I'm not saying teachers can't be cool. I'm just saying if you're really cool or a teacher, uh, you can uh, get one of those mini binders and put these in there because these will be coming out every week. All right. And. The idea of this sheet is for you to follow along, for you to have some things to hang your hat on when it comes to understanding the gospel. But on the back side, you'll notice also there are some verses there. And the ones that are highlighted in gray are the ones I would encourage you to memorize. Okay. Now, when I say memorization of Scripture, a lot of times people go, oh. But when I was a kid, I memorized Scripture, and I'm going to tell you, I know them still today. It's actually difficult for me sometimes when we're reading Scripture, and I put it up on the screen because it's the English Standard Version, and I memorized everything in the King James Version. Because that's what we had. If you memorize in the King James Version, it's still okay. All right? And I, I want you to understand that these verses have stayed with me. They've been hidden in my heart for 41, almost 42 years because I've heard them and I've loved them and I can pull them out at various times. We've had people come to us and say, I have a friend who I was talking to and they asked me a question. What's a verse for that? I'm going to be giving you some of those verses. I want you to hear those verses, to know those verses, to love those verses, to have them hidden in your heart so that you would not sin against God. So these are the things that I want us to understand. As we're looking at the gospel, we have to understand that it is good news. That's what the word actually means, that it's meant to be proclaimed. That is not meant to just be understood. It's meant to be believed and proclaimed. If it's just something we understand, it's not good news. If it's just something we think, if it's just a philosophy, it's not good news. It's meant to be believed and proclaimed. So I want to make sure we understand that. We're going to be walking through Romans, or you're going to see as we go. Anybody ever heard of the Romans Road? Anybody ever heard of that? Okay, so... Long, long time ago, somebody came up with the idea of you can actually you can actually tell somebody the gospel by simply using the book of Romans. And if you walk your way through, there are verses in Romans like for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right. The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. 
You can actually go through and you can actually tell people the gospel simply by using verses in Romans. We're basically going to be doing that. We're going to be doing kind of an expanded version of the Romans road so that at the end of this, you not only have an understanding of the gospel, but you have a gospel you can proclaim. Okay, so at the end of the summer, you'll have no excuse. All right, so please show up next week. All right. So as we look at this, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 16 and 17. Just to kind of give you a quick overview of this letter to the Romans. The Roman Christians were really interesting. They were kind of where Paul wanted to get to. This is Paul's heart. He wanted to get to the Roman Christians. They're at the center of the world, the known world. The Roman Empire was spread out all over the known world, and Rome was the center of power. Paul wanted to go preach the gospel to Rome. Now, here's what's interesting. The gospel had already reached Rome, and there are now Roman Christians. There's a Roman church. There is a church of believers in Rome, and they're made up of two basic groups of people. There's the Jewish believers in Jesus, so national Jews, ethnic Jews, and they're the ethnic Greeks and Gentiles. There's the people who grew up with a Jewish sentiment and with Jewish law. And there are those who grew up in a Roman or Greek way who are Gentiles. And they're now coming together in church. It's like looking around here and seeing generational differences, styles and preference differences, um, background differences. When we look around, we are very different people in the past. And what Paul wants us to understand is in Christ we become a new people with new preferences, with new ideas, all because of the gospel. And so our lives begin to center not around what was, but what is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so dividing walls begin to tear down when the gospel becomes our heartbeat and we begin to believe it and treasure it and proclaim it to one another and to the world. We actually see the power of God move in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And that's why he comes to verse 16 and 17 of Romans chapter 1. He's just gotten done in verse 15 saying that he desires and he wants to preach the gospel. Like he just loves preaching the gospel. So what he says, I want to preach the gospel. And then he comes and he says, this is why I want to preach the gospel. For I am not ashamed, verse 16, of the gospel. Well, let's just stop right there for just a second. Are you ashamed of the gospel? That should be an easy one, right? Why would we be ashamed of the gospel? Why would Paul need to say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel? Well, let's be honest. It's because the gospel tends to bring shame with it, right? When you proclaim the gospel in a hostile world, what you get in return is not like fluffy feathers and tulips, right? What you get is hatred a lot of times. What you get is kickback from people. So here's what it looks like. I have to tell somebody that they're a sinner in need of salvation, that they can't do it on their own, that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. We see that as good news, but a sinner sees that as, I can't do this on my own. I've got to submit to somebody. I've got to have a Lord. I can't be free to do what I want to do. And they begin to kick back against it. When you begin to look at people and you say, all of the good things that you've done are filthy rags <laughs> before God, that none of them are going to add up to your salvation. Well, that doesn't really fly well at Thanksgiving dinner with family. And so oftentimes, because of the realities of what we have to proclaim to people, we want to make it a little more palpable. We want to make it easier for people to digest, easier for them to stomach. And so we begin to kind of change it a little bit. 
I'm not saying you're ashamed of the gospel. I'm just saying if we're not sharing it, how would anybody know we're not ashamed of the gospel? And if what we are sharing isn't the full gospel, how would anybody ever know we're not ashamed of it? So Paul here says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And he gives his reason why. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. On your sheet of paper here, you have it there as a heading. The gospel is powerful. Who believes the gospel is powerful? Anybody believe the gospel is powerful? Okay, now what I want you to do is a little exercise for you. I want you to take that pen or pencil that you have in your hand, and I want you to mark out the F-U-L. Because that's not what your Bible says. Your Bible says what? The gospel is the power. It doesn't say the gospel keeps working out to get stronger. It actually says the gospel can lift it and move it. That's the difference. The gospel is not just potential power. The gospel is dynamic power. The gospel is not just strong. The gospel is actually powerful to change things. And I want us to understand this, that the gospel is not just a philosophy or message to be believed or thought about. It does not just have power. It is the very power of God. Think about it this way. The gospel is made up of words, God's words. And in God's words are the same power that when God spoke and he said, let there be light. The universe went, eh. There was light. In God's word was power. God's word powerfully made light. When God spoke, light came shooting out of his mouth. Think of it that way. The gospel is the power to take people out of darkness into light, out of death into life. This is what we are to believe. Not just that the gospel is powerful, but that the gospel is power. It's important for us to understand that Paul wants us to all live in the reality of that power. That we don't just have potential. We have reality, dynamic life flowing through us. That is the gospel. You have no other life outside of Jesus' gospel. It's meant to be power in your life. Tim Keller puts it this way. The gospel message is the power of God in verbal form. In the gospel, words and power come together. So think of that. Every time you speak the gospel, you're speaking power. How many of us want to see things change in our world? Anybody want to see things change in our world? And as Kevin DeYoung says, the world needs to see Christians burning, but not with self-righteous fury at the sliding morals in our country. We need to be burning with a passion for God and his gospel. Because I can't change anybody's heart. You can't change anybody's heart by arguing with them or legislating it. You just can't do it. 
But the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is God's power in verbal form to change people. Oh, if we would believe that. So I wonder why we don't share the gospel. I don't think it's fear. I honestly, if I'm honestly truthful about myself, when I clam up, it's because I don't quite believe it can change hearts. Maybe it won't work. The only way the gospel doesn't work is when we shut our mouths. You open your mouths, we're actually promised that it will not return void. Because it's not just that it has power. It is dynamic, living power. Where does this power come from? The source of the power, this is where you start filling in blanks just to make sure you're with me. The source of the power, according to this passage, is God. For it is the power of God. So this is not your testimony. This is not your thoughts about God and the universe. This is not a philosophy. This is God's word spoken that is power. We want to make sure we understand that. There's a lot that flies as Christianity and gospel in our world today that does not have God as its source. We want to make sure we're looking to God for the gospel. I would go so far as to say this that you have no gospel, you have no real good news if it doesn't come from God. It will always change. It will always be culturally relevant or trying to be. God's gospel has never tried to be culturally relevant. It's building a new culture. Taking old things and making them new. And so for us to realize that the source of the power of the gospel is God. The purpose of the power is clear here too. It is the power of God for salvation. This is the power of God for salvation. The gospel's power is to take people out of lostness and bring them into foundness. To take them out of darkness and bring them into light. Take them out of death in their sins and bring them into life in Christ. To take those who are far off and bring them near. The gospel actually saves people. And it's interesting here also that the scope of the power is for everyone who believes. For everyone who believes. The scope of the gospel is this is a universal reality. The gospel can change anyone's heart because it is power. The Jew first and also the Greek or Gentile. So it doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what your hang-ups are. It doesn't matter where you come from. The gospel is a reality and it is power to change anyone and everyone. And finally, the revelation of the power is we begin to see it in action when we trust it. The revelation of the power is through faith. Look at the passage. For everyone who believes, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith. For faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The revelation of the power of God will be seen and experienced through faith. 
So what we can say is that the gospel is power. But it would be important for us to at least have a simple outline then of what the gospel is, right? Now, over the coming weeks, we're going to unpack what the book of Romans, what this letter to Romans tells us the gospel is. We're going to be unpacking each aspect of this. And when we understand this, we're going to begin to understand how our lives have been changed and how the gospel can change others' lives. But we need to see that Christ came as king. He was king. He has been king. He always will be king. He came to this world as king. He wasn't waiting to be king. He is king. Christ came and lived a sinless life as the king. And then he died in our place for our sins, the death that we deserved. He took our sins upon him. And then he rose to rule and to reign. On the third day, he rose from the dead so that sin is defeated and now he rules and reigns over all things and he's going to come back and return as the judge because he's perfect because he's righteous because he's king he's the righteous judge as well this is a gospel that does not need us to defend it okay just let me give you this one application if the gospel is power and is the power of God, then the gospel doesn't need us to defend it. I'll put it this way. This is what Charles Spurgeon said. The gospel does not need defending. If Jesus Christ is not alive and can't fight his own battles, then Christianity is in a pretty bad state. But he is alive. And so all we have to do is preach the gospel, proclaim the gospel in all of its simplicity, and power is going out. Power to change people's lives is being proclaimed. Then we will see the evidence that it's from God. But so often we kind of water it down, make it a little too tasty for people. Not to make a beer joke in a Baptist church, but we, we used to call it gospel light because it was less filling and tasted great. And yes, I just made a beer joke in a Baptist church. Okay. If you're new here, what you'll find often is I'll say, I don't want to do that and I'll do it. So just my wife has been living with it for 15 years. So the gospel is powerful. The gospel is power. And the gospel is power to save. So how does the gospel save? Just to unpack this for just a few moments before we go today. I want you to go in the knowledge of this gospel, this good news that we have. First of all, the gospel saves us from the past. I mean, by necessity, we were something. Now we become something new. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So you didn't believe, now you do believe. You weren't saved, now you are saved. So there was something in the past that you needed saving from. Paul is going to unpack that as you were all sinners. You were all futile in your minds. You all thought you were wise, but you were fools. You never followed after God's law. There is none righteous, no, not one. These are the realities of what we come out of. We are saved from the past, which means we're saved from sin. Sin is a past reality for us because when we trust what Jesus has done, that was all bought and paid for on the cross and then defeated when he rose from the grave. So we're saved from that. 
God's gospel saves us from the past and from our sins. But also look at the passage in verse 16. This is a gospel that has power for salvation to the Jew and to the Greek. We're also saved from old identities. We're saved from our old way of life and our old identities. Jew and Greek kind of, that kind of lumps us all in. Jews and Gentiles, we're one or the other, right? And we're saved from that now so that now we can say with Paul, in Christ there is no Jew or Gentile. No slave or free. Your background, your past identities are not your identity when you are saved by the gospel. Which leads us to the reality that the gospel also saves us in the present. The gospel is not just the gospel of the past. The gospel is the gospel of today. The gospel saves people by, in the past, revealing God's righteousness against sin on the cross. Okay, so think about this. Your sin is going to have to be paid for. You're going to pay for it, or Jesus paid for it. Those are the only two choices. You're going to pay for it, or Jesus, is, Jesus has paid for it. Those are the only two choices. Okay, so... If Jesus paid for it, we see God's righteousness against sin, his hatred of sin at the cross. And when we trust what Jesus did on the cross, then we now today get to see Jesus's righteousness in us. So we get saved in the present, not just the past. And the first way is we get saved to righteousness. Look at verse 17. For in the gospel, in it, The righteousness of God is revealed in the past, but also is revealed as a present reality as well. From faith for faith, for as it is written, the righteous used to live by faith. Is that what it says? The righteous shall live by faith. That's a present day reality for us. So the way that God reveals his righteousness and saves us today is that we have power through the gospel to live righteous lives. Another way of putting this would be we have new identities. So the gospel saves us today to new identities. Paul says that you're a new creature if you're in Christ. The old hangs out in the closet and comes out whenever you want to play with it. No, it says the old is gone. Right? The old is dead. The new has come. You get new identities. Think, think about this. Here's, what, here's how great it is. You used to be slaves to sin and death. Now you are slaves to Jesus, which means what Jesus does is he brings you into the family. He doesn't just say you're my servant. He actually says you're sons and daughters of God. And we get new identities. We used to be trapped. Now we're free. We used to be darkness. Now we're light. We used to be citizens of the kingdom of Satan. That's Jesus' words. Now we're citizens of heaven and the kingdom of God. This is the reality of what's happening right now. The gospel is the power of God to make people righteous, but also to keep them righteous. 
Application, here's what it looks like. Okay, here's what you tend to hear as a Christian, a new Christian. You get saved by the gospel, right? You hear the gospel, you believe the gospel, and then try really hard. Anybody ever feel like that's what your Christian life has been like? Well, I believe Jesus and what he did for me on the cross and through the resurrection. Now just try really hard. And I'll try to do the right thing. That's not the gospel message. What that means is we're kind of looking at it like this. Here's an illustration. We tend to look at the gospel as the diving board into salvation. Like into the swimming pool of salvation. We get to swim around in the salvation, right? No, the, the gospel is the water in the pool. Faith is the diving board. And then it's every stroke that you take as well. Faith keeps you afloat in salvation. The gospel is the water. You don't get out. The gospel is the same way you grow as it was the same way you got saved. What has the power to take you out of darkness into the light has the same power to keep you in the light. And that's good news. What that means is the gospel has not just saved us in the past, but is saving us right now. You and I both, right now, I want you to pay attention to this. You and I right now are being saved. If you are in Christ Jesus, you right now are being saved. How do I know that? Because he's making you more and more like Jesus, no matter what you're going through. If it's the bad things in your life, all of those things are going to make you more like Jesus. He's just taught you something through his word, possibly. That's to make you more and more like Jesus. He's saving you right now, which leads to the third part. The gospel saves for the future. The gospel saves from the past from our sin and old identities in the present to righteousness and to new identities. But the gospel also saves for the future. The gospel is going to complete the work that Christ has begun. Paul says to the Philippian Christians that he believes, he has full confidence that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And that's going to happen on the day of Christ Jesus. So there's a future reality to this salvation. You have been saved. You are being saved. You will be saved. This is what salvation looks like. And the gospel is the key. This same gospel who saved you, that saved you, is the gospel in which you stand now. It's the gospel that you will proclaim when you see Jesus face to face. If you stand before God, you know those scenes that evangelists like to set up and they go, if God says, why should I let you into my heaven? You ever heard that one, right? What do you say? The gospel. It's at least a pretty good picture of what it's going to look like. What's going to get you into heaven? The gospel. The gospel is the only hope you have. The gospel is the power to save in the past, present, and future. There's going to be a future reality of grace. You're going to see this. It says here, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. There's a revelation of, of what's happening. And it's a revelation of God's grace and His power. So that we can believe, like Paul says, that even though we're groaning and suffering, that all things work together for good. And what's that good? that you would be conformed to the image of Jesus. So you're going to see that one day. There's going to be a 
a reality of grace and you're going to stand in grace. When you're in heaven with new bodies, right, and new life and no more pain, are you going to deserve heaven? You're going to be there by grace. And you're just going to have a better picture of what it looks like. But there's also a future realization of faith. And I'll close with this thought. For the last 25 years of my dad's life, he was blind in one eye. The last five years of his life, he was blind in both eyes and got injections in one eye every three weeks so that he would be able to see. Eddie's going through much the same thing in his family right now with Charlotte. Eric's going through difficult times with his vision. My dad got to the point where literally he just could not see at all. I still can't sing without tearing up and choking up. I once was blind, but now I see. Can't do it. My dad's with the Lord now. But how many of you believe right now, you can tell me right now, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, so you know that once you were blind, but now you see. Amen? Amen. Isn't that going to get better when you get to heaven? Because you don't see clearly right now, do you? You see dimly. You see shadows right now, don't you? See, faith in the powerful gospel, in God's power called the gospel, is going to lead you to that day when all that you trusted in the gospel becomes real. And you get to see it. There's going to be a future revelation of all of that faith in God's power called the gospel, that one day you're going to get to see it all. So yeah, I once was blind, but now I see because God has saved me through His powerful grace. But one day, I'm going to see. And that's what I'm longing for. One day, all of my faith will be sight. How do I get there? By trying really hard? By God's power, which is the gospel. So, believer in Jesus, are you ashamed of the gospel? The type of shame that would just kind of cause you to clam up a little bit? Do you believe? I believe shame is taken away when you understand just how much power is in the gospel. There's no fear when it comes to the gospel. There's no condemnation when it comes to the gospel. There's only power. Do you believe it can change people's lives? Do you believe the gospel can change people's lives? I hope so, because if you're a believer, it changed yours. And is right now and will continue until the day you see Jesus. So why can't it change your friends' and family's lives? Well, it can't. If you don't tell them. If you're here today and you say, I've just been trying really hard. I don't want to release you from that today. Because here's one thing I can tell you with total certainty. Jesus died on the cross to defeat not just all of your sin that you're trying really hard not to do but all of your self-righteousness that causes you to try really hard not to do it. 
He died for all of that and defeated it when he rose from the grave. And he left it all there. When he says, trust me. Today is the day where you can call on his name and trust him. And be set free. Let's pray. Father, I pray that today we would trust him. That we would trust Jesus for all he's done. Not trust what we can do or have done. But trust him for what he has done. And trust Him as believers to continue to do what only He can do until we see Jesus face to face. We thank You for Your power. Not only have You given us the Gospel, which is Your power in word, but You've given us Your Spirit so that the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the grave now dwells in us and anoints our lives and seals us until we see Jesus we want to live in power and I thank you that the gospel is the key help us not to look for any other key for power in our lives but to trust the power of the gospel we pray in Jesus name Amen this is going to be a time of response